This is a small scoop of sports hosted by Chris Molina and Jairo Gutierrez. Welcome in, welcome in to episode number 40 of a small scoop of sports podcast. This is your co-host Jairo Gutierrez joined as always by your co-host Chris Molina. My boy, Chris, what's up, man? How you doing today? Doing good, doing good. It's a good day. What are you up to today? Oh, man, not much. Uh, was preparing here, learning, uh, doing some research, and um, trying to get all my ducks in a row here. I know we have um, some different things uh, going on today, so it took a little bit of prep. What about you, man? Yeah, same. Um, for the listeners, uh, do you want to let them know what we're prepping about for the main event of today's show? For sure, dude. Today we have a 2010 nostalgia. I would say it has to be obviously our last NBA um, look back, we can say. So for the decade of 2010 to 2020 almost, uh, we are going to be talking about a bunch of different things, including um, obviously the best players. But we have a couple of different uh, topics such as best duo or overlook duo. We're going to talk about the, our guy that we thought was maybe um, the best player, or our favorite player who didn't win a championship. And then, um, great enough, as always, we're going to be joined by our guest, Keegan Stewart. So it's not only going to be you and I today, it's also going to be Keegan. And then we're going to do our own lineups as well. So we love to do the polls, Chris, you know that. Um, and so <laughs> I'm excited for that one. After, you know, we get our lineups together, we'll do... Um, from point guard to center all the way through and a six man pretty similar to what we did in the 2000s so um, I'm pretty pumped about that how you feeling dude yeah yeah it's gonna be a pretty action-packed show I think it wouldn't do it justice though without another cocktail mixer that today <laughs> <laughs> you know what yeah, I, oh, yeah, yeah. It, it hurts it hurts a little bit you're right we before we get into any sports as we told our listeners last episode Every week, cocktail mixer, totally random uh, draft of our top four each, you and I, of anything not related to sports. So you want to let the listeners know what we're doing today, and then I will sadly tell them what our results were for the first one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> today we're drafting all-time favorite Will Ferrell movies. So same as last episode, we have four rounds. We're taking any Will Ferrell movie. Um, taking turns this this week, Heido has the first pick, so I'm curious ooh, to see ooh, where he's gonna go here. <laughs> last week or last episode, I had the first pick, and how did those how did that vote turn out, Heido? So, for our inaugural <laughs> um cocktail mixer draft, it was a fun one for uh the listeners. We did Pixar movies, so all time favorite Pixar movies, and the rule was if you picked one. Uh, that has, you know, two, three, four, whatever it is, you get the whole set. So since Chris went first, he got the big, I, I would say the classic Toy Story, great, great pick. And overall, we had nearly 60 voters uh, vote on our um, different platforms. And the percentage was 70% to 30% for Mr. Molina. That's right. That's, he says <laughs> that's right. Yo, hey. Can't say nothing. I mean, I, I, I guess, you know, I, I don't know what's going on with the taste here on Pixar. But uh, uh, you know what? I'm going to chalk it up. To, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Toy Story was a great pick. And I'm glad that 
um, our listeners got really involved. Like I said, we got a pretty good amount of votes. So, Mr. Molina, shaking hands in the air here, uh, you know, no, no contact. Congratulations to you. You got the first one. So, with that, are you ready to get into number two? We're going to get into, like you said, the Will Ferrell movies. You ready to rock? Yeah, yeah. And before I kick it to you for your first pick, I just want to say that, like, um, for the polls on this one, we're going to keep it anonymous. So for our listeners, you got to listen to the episode to find out whose team is whose. You can still vote for who's, you know, what your favorite Will Ferrell movie team is. But um, if you want to know if you're voting for Haido or myself, you'll have to listen in here. Great, great distinction. You're right. Last week, we put up our names. I, I to be honest, I don't think that had much to do with it. I think you're, you're, I think you're so lined either. up. But I like that because it's going to be straight up. What lineup do you like better? So good call from here on out. We will be doing that. And with that, let's do it, man. I am number one today because we're going to be alternating. Uh, so first pick. And it's a snake draft for everyone as well. So uh, I'll go one and then Chris will go two, three. And we'll go all the way till we finish up. I am Super pumped that I got number one. We were talking yesterday, Chris. Uh, let's see. I want to know if we match up. So my number one, I just want to say that Will Ferrell movie is hands down number one out of all his movies. So that is why I'm so excited. Drum roll. I am going to go with Step Brothers, bro. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yours? Okay. All right. All right. So Step Brothers is not only my 101 for Will Ferrell movies, but it, it would be like on my Mount Rushmore for just movies in general. <laughs> nice pick. I'm with, dude. I was thinking, I was like, I don't think it's just Will Ferrell. Um, it's overall, for sure, comedy movies, dude. It's got to be right there, I'd say, like top three. Because obviously, you know, it's tough to distinguish for everything. But, I mean, Will Ferrell, dude, Step Brothers, super classic. I think that's one that you could just throw on literally – anytime and just kick it dude and have a great laugh so with that my boy will ferrell i'm going with step brother so what are you gonna go with uh with two and three dude now it's gonna get interesting i'm very curious here uh yeah this is a catalina wine mixer here apparently (laughs) (laughs) um let's see so on my list i'm gonna go i'm just gonna go with my number two here my second favorite Will Ferrell movie of all time. I'm going with the other guys. Mm. Uh, Will Ferrell, Marky Mark, Mark Wahlberg, you know, a lot of star power, Samuel L., Dwayne Johnson, Michael Keaton, uh, Rob Riggle. It's it's a pretty action-packed movie, and it's hilarious. Um, bye, Sheila. Yeah, uh, bye, Terry. You know, whatever, Alan, go inside. Bye, Sheila. <laughs> What about, dude, what about Will Ferrell's character in that one? How he just had so many beautiful women. And Mark is like, what the heck? He's like, what's going on here? He's like, wait, what? He's like, he's just so oblivious. Heather Locklear. <laughs> oh, dude, I like that. Well, let me tell you one thing real quick. That's very, this is going to be a great draft because the other guys is in my top eight, but our, our full, you know, disclosure, that was number five. So, I'm very interested here where we're going to go, where you're about to go right now with your second pick. Yeah, yeah. The other guys, you know, he's, they called him Gator for a reason. Um, But for my second pick for Will Ferrell movies, it's actually a combo right here. I love the Anchorman movies. Mm -hmm. Um, Super classic. Paul Rudd, Steve Carell. I mean, 
I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> oh man, that's oh. all right. Good, good pick, bro. What a good pick. So you that in that one to be fair, you got one and two, right? So I, I maybe that's one too that uh goes in your favor because you got the legend of Ron Burgundy and then the legend continues. So okay, I like it, bro. I like exactly. That. <laughs> all right, all right. It's you're up now. Let's see what let's see what you got. Crazy enough, dude. I gotta tell you. <laughs> Anchorman, the guys were four and five. My one, two, and three are still open. So I'm going to go with my number two favorite Will Ferrell movie is Talladega Nights, bro. The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. That is my... my Shake and bake. <laughs> hey, shake it and then you bake it. <laughs> All right. Yo, dude. Ta- Talladega Nights is, uh, I, I think, just so classic, dude. These guys, I think you have to be a certain um, kind of fan of, like, a special kind of comedy, I think kind of in a way, I, I don't know how to explain Will Ferrell movies, dude, but I think this is the classic of, he's always just messing around when he's pr- praying around the table. <laughs> he's praying to baby Jesus. He's all, Jesus was an old man. He's all, I like baby Jesus person better. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's just, I don't know, man, super funny. So dear, sweet baby Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it takes so long. Oh man. It's just hilarious. So Talladega nights, is my number two and with that since we're going back to back i'll go my number three movie is semi-pro semi-pro mm. yes oh another one my boy moon with the afro jackie, jackie moon, moon <laughs> with the afro with the with the short shorts the squad i mean just so so many i think again funny storylines that this dude comes up with and he plays <laughs> to perfection looking like a clown the whole time and um, yeah, semi-pro has to be my number three. So that actually rounds me out right there, dude, uh, with uh, Step Brothers, Talladega, and semi-pro. I got one more pick. You are up. What are you going to do here with your last two? So surprisingly enough, Talladega Nights was not in my top five, I res- but it's a really good movie. I respect. Hey, I, I'm going to tell you right now, bro. That's I'm telling you, I think one of those movies where... It has to, I don't know, it's like some certain special type of comedy where, it, yeah, it may not make it. So, hey, that, that's perfect, bro. Where, where are you at then? Yeah, yeah. Uh, good pick with Semi-Pro, though. I was hoping that would make it back to yeah. me. Um, trade him for a washing machine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, let's see here. So, next up on my list... Um, it, might not, it might not be a vote-getter, but it's all good. It's one of my favorites. Um, kicking and screaming. Have you ever seen kicking and screaming? Oh man, Duke, that was it. I'll tell you, it was so close to making my list. That one is hilarious, bro. That's a great movie. Mike, Dick, <laughs> when he brings in Mike Ditka, bro, as <laughs> he's too way too juice in- box boy. <laughs> so intense. I love that, dude. Again, think about Mike Ditka back in the day, bro. Let's say with those eighty-five bears, and you fast forward. What is it like? 25 years 30 years and he's over here in a will ferrell movie just yelling at little kids so oh great yeah coaching soccer <laughs> oh yeah that's the other dude right he's like, i don't know anything about soccer or whatever oh, dude. oh I, great pick 100 i love that movie dude yes yeah it's a great movie i find it hilarious it's not one of his you know most popular movies but it made my list um here's where it's, where it's interesting I have four different possibilities here, um, but I think I'm just going to go with, you know, who I ranked higher. 
and that is the house. Have you ever seen the house? Is, no, I I believe it's the one where they set up like a, a underground casino or something in their basement. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I, dude. Him and Amy Poehler running a class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. I saw the preview, dude. I gotta be honest, I did not watch it. But w- would you? Yeah, you recommend it? Obviously, if it's making your list. Yeah, yeah, it made my list as uh, number seven. Um, with a top six taken so far in this draft, and it's a really, it's really funny. It's got um, uh, I don't actually know what his name is, but he's Rafi from the league, and he's uh, Dennis Feinstein oh, from Parks and Rec. Yes, yeah, I don't know his name. Derek either, from the Good Place. <laughs> he's dude. That's a guy that's. Uh, but he's really has funny. The names in his shows, <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's so famous in his shows. I feel, but I don't, I don't know his real name either. But I know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good movie. If you guys haven't seen it, check it out. It might not be a vote getter like a couple of these others on my list, but but it's really funny. Hey, and we agreed to that as well, right? We're gonna go with our uh top movies, not the ones that we think will get the most votes, yeah, but our flicks. So I love it, dude. So that closes favorite, not best it, here. <laughs> exactly. This is our list, and of course, we want to know who who likes which list, but these are our really, really favorites. And you know what, dude, with that. I'm going to follow suit because I literally have six, seven, and eight in front of me still available. All three are really hilarious. Um, I got to close out with the campaign. Have you ever seen the campaign from Will Ferrell or no, where he's uh, running for, for political office? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it uh, with Zach Galifianakis. Yes, dude, him and Zach together. It's a solid movie. Yeah, him <laughs> and Zach, dude, are just clowns together. Exactly, this is all a movie. They're always, uh, one of my favorite parts is when he's supposed to be uh, praying and he's all, uh, aloe vera be thy name. It's <laughs> stupid, just doing dumb. It's like not even at all, he's just rhyming. The, everyone's all, what is this guy saying? Bro, I mean. Another, I'm telling you, Will Ferrell, super comedy uh, movie. And so, again, I'm not sure how many people. I don't think it's one that is, um, you know, was a box office smash, I don't think. Um, but, again, that's number six on my list, bro. So, I got to close it out with that with the campaign. To be honest, that didn't make my list. But, it's, I mean, it's super solid. Um, before we read off our teams, is there anything else on your list that uh... – you didn't draft? Yeah, the the I have two left, and this was I literally six, seven, and eight were all intermingled. I'd say, but since they didn't make it, I would say um, my seven was Get Hard with um, Kevin Hart. That's my number ten. Okay, yeah. yeah, with Kevin Hart, that was again really funny. Obviously, he's trying to get, get kind of gangster, you could say, kind of thug. I don't know whatever you want to call it, and that was really funny. And then I have a classic dude in old school. So. Um, Older yep, that was my number nine. Yep, older. Oh, you're movie. my boy, Blue. <laughs> exactly, <The> older <laughs> movie, dude. And I, you know, gotta go back and check that out just again. But um, that would have been seven and eight, bro. We didn't draft either of those. What about you? Did you have something you didn't get on? Yeah, I had old school and get hard nine and ten. Um, I thought about old school, but then like, I, that would have been more of a vote getter for me because I I haven't seen it in a long time, and I think I've maybe seen it like once or twice. I feel that. Not, it's not one of my top eight, but it's a good movie. I, I do. Actually, I am totally the same. I want to say I've seen that movie two times through, but a long time ago. So then it's like, I could put it, it's a classic too. You know, you're right. I think that one's one that a lot right. of people will say 
how did you not have this movie on there? But personally, like, what? You know, where's the old school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But personally, if we haven't seen it a bunch, I think almost everyone on our list, we could kind of recite, you know, the, the really funny parts. I don't know if I could do that with old school as much. So I'm with you. And did you have another one or, or that was the that was the one? And the my number eight was uh, Daddy's Home, uh, Daddy's Home 2 with Marky Mark again. The, the second one wasn't as funny to me. I thought the first one was hilarious. And then Mark Wahlberg and uh, Will Ferrell are like a super great combo. Agreed, dude. Agreed. I mean, like you said, you have the other guys as your top one. That movie, I just think about a couple of things with the previous. He's like, where'd you learn how to you drive? You should have shot A-Rod. <laughs> oh, yeah. When he's driving, so where'd you learn how to drive? Grand Theft Auto. So what? <laughs> Somebody's been playing Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> oh, dude. So, no. And you're right. Actually, I only saw the first one of Daddy's Home. I never got to the second one. You say the second one's not as good. So I feel like I didn't miss out as much. But, um, dude, them two together. Again, Mark Wahlberg, dude. It's funny when these actors come on a, a welfare movie and it just they're completely different than they usually are you know in the sarcastic or yeah. whatever it's hilarious dude <laughs> and it works really well so i love it dude you want to run through um your lineup real quick yeah yeah um so i have the other guys anchorman and anchorman 2 kicking and screaming and the house perfect okay and for myself i have Step Brothers, talladega knights semi-pro and the campaign so with that your number one is gonna it might it might be like toy story last week i i was thinking dude that one is the like you said i was wondering dude if maybe you had another one because we both said our number one is for sure yeah same i was hoping you had another one (laughs) (laughs) and be like oh you we're good we're good but Dude, Set Brothers, I wonder, actually, do you think they make a second one? I've seen, like, rumors, this and that. Do you think uh, – also, it'd be hard to follow, dude, especially after so much time. Oh, man, him and John C. Riley are such a great team. I would <laughs> yeah. I'd watch it no matter what. Yeah. And that reminds me, like, neither of us had Elf on our list. Oh, dude, old school were the two that I've said. I'm like, if they don't get drafted on here – I think people will straight, you know, talk some smack because Elf is a classic too, bro. It's just personally not, you know, it just d- didn't make my list. Yeah. You know, what's funny about Elf is like you hear like, you know, there's a there's a portion of the population that doesn't like Will Ferrell movies. So like, ah, he's 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 too dumb for me or whatever. Right. And but they're like, but I like Elf, though. <laughs> I'm t- like, uh, 100% I am with you and neither of us. Dude, it didn't even make our <laughs> we haven't mentioned it until now. So I was yeah. <laughs> thinking the same thing. Elf is a really good movie. It's just again, since we're sticking to the rule of doing our personal ones, I'm like, unfortunately, it just doesn't make it. That would have also been maybe like a vote, you know, a vote getter pretty good um, for a lot of people. Right. So, all right yeah it, so this was a, this was fun yeah it was a good one dude i mean i'm excited because there's so many ways we can go um for the future ones but here we are we're finishing up our second draft and now that we've read our squad you ready to get into this 2010s nba yeah and let's welcome in our guest let's go mr keegan here he comes let's get it So, 
super pumped to once again have our friend Keegan Stewart on the pod. For those of you NFL fans, he was on just a couple episodes ago uh, talking about the Dallas Cowboys draft and the offseason. So he is back to talk some 2010s NBA basketball with us. So Keegan, what's good, brother? How you doing today? And real quick, give everybody, you know, your, your Twitter handle. And I know as well that you have another pod, bro. So let the people know where they could find that one. Hi, though, man. Thank, thanks again for having me, Chris. What's up? Good. Hey, uh, what's good. up? Hey, it's always good to be with you guys. I appreciate uh, another invite. I hope that uh, the last time I was on, I was able to convince some uh, people out there to buy in on the Dallas Cowboys next year, as that was my goal. But listen, look, today, uh, switching it up a little bit, going to basketball, that is no problem with me. I am super excited to talk about the NBA, especially this, this decade. This decade is what I think about when I think about growing up uh, through middle school and high school watching this NBA. I mean, I was in love with this stuff, and so I'm completely ready to have this discourse with you guys. Yeah, you guys can find my podcast on Apple and Spotify, Keegan Stewart Sports Podcast. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Keeg Stew. Uh, we, we've been having a lot of fun, but man, I'm, I am hungry. I feel like we are in a desert. We're in a famine uh, for sports, and so <laughs> yeah. yeah the opportunity to come on with you guys and just talk about this stuff really, really uh, it, it gives me some juice. And so I'm excited to be here with you guys today. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The the part of saying, dude, that we kind of grew up with this. Sure, the, the early 2000s was also a big part. But, you know, growing up and being a little older, understanding the game better. And obviously, I think following, you know, certain players, I, I want to find out who, who your boy or boys were that you really, really <laughs> like. So I'm sure... Um, we'll get into that. And so once again, man, we're excited to have you. As you said, too, we talked some NFL. We transitioned a little to the NBA, and uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So um, <clears throat> to get us started, let's start off as we usually do with the nostalgia segments and talking about the champions over the decade. And so with that, Chris, uh, you want to go over the list and just let the listeners know who were the teams that pretty much, you know, owned the 2010 to 2020 decade. Yeah, yeah, this is a good decade to talk about. So we'll start in 2010 with the Lakers over the Celtics in seven. Kobe Bryant was the MVP. 2011 was the Dallas Mavericks over the Miami Heat in six. Dirk Nowitzki was the MVP. 2012, the Heat took down the Thunder in five. LeBron James MVP. 2013, the Heat took down the Spurs in seven and one of the better series that I've seen, LeBron James MVP. 2014, the Spurs got him back, Spurs over the Heat in five, Kawhi Leonard was the MVP. 2015 was the start of the Warriors little run here, Warriors over Cavs in six, Andre Iguodala was the MVP. 2016, though, the Cavs got him back, Cavs over the Warriors in seven. Another a fantastic series, LeBron James MVP. And then the Warriors went out and got KD and took down the Cavs in five. Kevin Durant MVP. 2018, the Warriors over the Cavs in four. Kevin Durant MVP again. And then to close out the decade, just this most recent year that was completed, the Toronto Raptors took down the Warriors in six. And the Kawhi Leonard was the MVP Perfect. We appreciate that, Chris. And it's clear to see, especially, you know, in those last five, I mean, the Warriors 
went, what, three and two, but they were pretty much that second half, of, along with the Cavs, but the Warriors were in every single one of those, um, you know, series. So that was pretty interesting to see kind of a, a team take over like that who hasn't. I mean, I believe last time a team went five in a row was the Celtics, I think, back in the day. Um, so that's pretty impressive. And yeah, I mean, we also had what? LeBron win his first one in this decade and uh, his MVPs as well. So it was it was a great decade. We'll get a, more into um, the best teams who we felt would have been the champ of champs. As always, we'll do that there at the end. But talking about the champions, let's start off with our first mini segment of um, who was the one player that you would choose out of this decade um, that did not become an NBA champion. And, you know, a requirement would be that they had to be one of the top players of the decade. So, Chris, I'll, I'll send it back to you and um, ask you, you know, who is that guy that comes to mind of this decade that just couldn't get it done, dude? Uh, uh, I'll choose this guy for a couple reasons here. Um, first, um, he was, let's see, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and seven-time All-Star in the decade but he never so much as reached the uh, NBA Finals, and that's Chris Paul. I'm going to go with Chris Paul here. I'm still salty with David Stern, you know, blocking our trade way back in 2012, uh, that offseason there. I bet I bet he would have won one in the decade if uh, David Stern was like, eh, I don't want the Lakers to win anymore, so I'm going to choose Chris Paul here. I love it. We'll get into that that you just mentioned a little bit. It seems <laughs> to this day um, that Chris Paul was never a Laker. We we don't know. I mean, they had a really good team there in, in L.A. with the Clippers. Like you said, though, they couldn't get it done. So I'll go next and Cle- Keegan can close us out with this segment. Yeah, hi to, hi to yeah, real yeah. quick on, yeah, on Chris Paul. Look, you all, you, he was a Clipper, but let, let's not forget that he was also a Rocket and had the Warriors on the ropes in 2018. He had... They win game five. This is the Western Conference Finals. Chris Paul is leading the charge against the Warriors. They win game five, but he gets hurt. The Rockets are up 3-2. All the Rockets need to do is win one of the next two. All they need to do is win one of the next two, and Chris Paul defeats the evil dragon, the Warriors, gets to the finals, but he, he gets hurt. They can't win game six. They can't win game seven. They missed 27 threes in a row in game seven. <laughs> and so, yeah, Chris, he was on my list too. CP3 yeah. is on my list too. That one's ooh, it's tough for him. What a distinction, dude. You're right. It's not He had the opportunities to do it. It's kind of crazy. I don't know what you can attribute that to, dude. I mean, he had a great series. Like you said, they were up on the Warriors clearly. He pulls his hammy. The, the thing is, it was an injury that you can't even play through. You know, I mean, I'm sure CP is, is tough as nails, but dude, he just couldn't do it. Not even for a game seven. Like you said, 27 missed threes dude, <laughs> on a team that was built and, and was successful doing that exact thing. Like, you know, what do you chalk all these things up to? I mean, 27 bro you guys couldn't make one it's like yeah. un- unbelievable you know and and you're right they might yeah yeah go ahead chris they might as well just started pulling fans out of the stands to you know take a get a celebrity three <laughs> pretty much dude <laughs> i bet one of them would have made oh no, dude i would i, I would have hit a couple of them things i would have at least flash a couple of them i mean there were some good looks but I'll, I'll never forget that day when i was watching that what but, one yeah. great great point dude you're right he had it and 
tough, dude. So that was also, um, I think that's almost a clear number one there. Uh, the second guy that I'll go here is going to have to be Russell Westbrook, man. Um, I think Russ has been, uh, I don't want to say a victim, but I mean, KD and him is kind of a very similar situation to what we just said about Chris Paul. They had the Warriors on the ropes three of uh, 3-1 Western Conference Finals. They didn't get injured and they simply couldn't win one more game. The Warriors come back and they uh you know end up winning their first championship I believe that was in 2015 which started the whole uh you know five years in a row for the Warriors and ever since then KD leaves because of that. Again, I want to get into that here a little bit later and then I think the whole landscape of the NBA changes. Russell stays by himself in OKC, is the man, averages a triple-double for three consecutive seasons. Super impressive, but that hasn't necessarily um, resulted in wins for the team. It's kind of a guy that has to do everything or does everything, but they don't really win because of the lack of the talent around him since then, I would say. So um, Russell's got to be number two. I really wish he would have gotten at least one. Um, in this decade because of how hard he plays, the style that he plays. The dude is awesome to watch. But to this day, the guy has has been there. They went there together in 2012, just hasn't gotten it done. So uh, what do you think here, Keegan? What do you think about that pick? You know, when we're when I was when I was brainstorming and getting prepared for this very segment, I had two names on my list. And hand on the Bible, <laughs> hand on the Bible, they both just came off the board. And so, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm in agreement. I got Westbrook. I can't help but think, and I, listen, I don't want to step on the toes of our future segment too much, but I can't help but wonder what the 2017 Oklahoma City Thunder version could have looked like, as well as that 18 version, had had the snake himself, Durant, not headed to Silicon Valley. <laughs> I, I can't, I, I, and I think we'll get to that later. I'm just going to, I'm going to leave that there. But yeah, I'm a West. I'm a Westbrook proponent. I, I and I know a lot of people aren't. Chris, I, are, are am I right in thinking you're not? I I've uh, warmed up to him okay. in recent years okay. more than you know. I've never been the biggest fan of him or uh, James Harden. Right. But I'll take him over James. Harden. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, but but yeah, I know that 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 was my segment as well. Paul Paul and Westbrook, and you guys illustrated it very well. Yeah, yeah, and and Chris, I, let me ask you: Do you have? Did you have anyone else in mind just for backup? Because I I have two more, but I would like to hear. I don't know if anyone else in this decade that personally, you know, you would have liked to see win one. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. For this decade, you got to throw out Giannis, uh, the Bucks uh, this last year. I would have liked to have seen them win one too, even though the Raptors were were pretty chill, uh, but like. This is going to start growing on Giannis um, if he doesn't win one in the next couple of years. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he has, I think, the the cushion of saying he was still young before he became... Only you know, 25, exactly, yeah. And before he became, you know, a real star, because I believe it took him the first two years. And then the third one is when he really started to be like, oh, my God, I think this guy's like, you know, a, a top five player in the, in the world. So um, I like that. And just before we move on, I would personally add Paul George. He was yeah. my number three. Um, yeah. tough, 
tough, tough breaks that he had. I don't know, well, I didn't want to make that. That wasn't even a joke. I just said that he did break his leg really nasty. <laughs> that was unintentional <laughs> completely. Um, but, you know, he was the, the man there in, in Indiana. He ran into the juggernaut of the heat. So it was really tough. And then, um, you know, he's moved around from OKC to now the Clippers. We'll see what happens. And last, I know, uh, Chris, you're not a big fan, but even Harden, man, James Harden has really become a great ball player and we'll see. I mean, like Keegan said, him and CP couldn't have had a better opportunity. They didn't get it done. And we'll see these guys, this, this next decade, the pressure starting to build on them for sure to be like, dude, are you going to win one? Or are you going to join that list of, of hall of famers that couldn't get it done? So um, it'll be interesting to see. Let's move on to though. Uh, we'll start off here with Keegan. Keegan, what, who was the duo of the decade that either, you wish got more love or, um, you know, maybe they didn't achieve enough time may have been a factor or just straight up overshadowed who, who came to mind on this, uh, you know, kind of question. Yeah. And, and, and when I think about this duo and you'll see how I, how I paint it out, I think they are extremely underappreciated. And I think if you guys will travel back in time mentally, you'll, you'll make the same realization that I did that, Hey, they probably shouldn't be the, these guys were very scary at their time and I'm gonna I'm gonna go like this and I'll let I'll see what you guys think how about Paul George and George Hill and and if that and if that doesn't do it for you how about Paul George and Roy Hibbert I'm talking specifically about the 2013 and the 2014 Indiana Pacers you could put Granger (laughs) in there yeah this team it may have been more by committee and if 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 it's a duo Paul George is a part of it whoever you want to pair him with but we're talking about a team that in 13 and 14 stood in the way of that LeBron and D Wade Miami Heat team. And they stood in the way of them making the NBA finals. And I'll let you know right now, they made the Miami Heat earn it. The Pacers teams were they were more formidable than I think they're uh, they're given credit for. And look, if you if there's any bulletin board material against the argument that LeBron was just coasting through this weak Eastern Conference, I will always start. After that Celtics uh, big three, I'll I'll go right here to the Indiana Pacers and I'll say, hey, pump the brakes now. We're talking about a really good team here. I love it. Chris, what what are your thoughts on that? And then I'll I'll comment myself. Yeah, yeah, I I like it. Uh, The Pacers team could have got more love in the decade. They're a really tough team. I liked watching them play, you know, because you said they did it by committee, you know, Paul George. At first, it was Granger. Granger was the guy, and then Paul George was the guy. Um, but you know, they got overshadowed. So it's a good, it's a good uh, comp to have for duo of the decade. The, 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 they had to, the Heat down three two. I was. They the, had the three down three two. Yeah. When when people think of the Heat, yeah, I think it's almost it reminds me kind of like the Bulls, where you think they went all the way through and there was no issues at all, you know, like they just kind of steamrolled. And it was the thought, oh, the East is super weak. Dude, you're right. Even Roy Hibbert, who went to L.A. and just fell off and looked like <laughs> yeah. he didn't even know how to play basketball. But before that, dude, he was the guy literally just waiting for LeBron, Wade, Bosch at the rim with no fear. And he would make them change their game because he was such a big force there in the middle. So I really like that pick. And imagine 
um, if they could have won one, you know, one of those Eastern Conference final series, because I believe it was at least two of them. Um, it changes mm-hmm. the whole story of, first of all, of Paul George as being the man. And then you never know, dude, they end up, if they could have won one, it, it's just you live, you know, forever as literally the team that not only beat the Heat, but they didn't even allow them to get to the final. So I love that pick. It's an overlooked pick for sure. Mm. Agreed. Mention something. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, you said uh, Hibbert was, you know, waiting for them at the rim, except for what was it, game one of that finals? They take him out with the last few seconds to go, and LeBron gets to the rim for the game one yeah. layup, I yep, think. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right, dude. So, again, good pick. PG could have really changed his, his history, but it is what it is. LeBron and co. said, not not, not against us, bro, sorry. So, <laughs> that's, um, that's right. with me, I'll go as... The duo, I, I want to know, you know, kind of your guys' reaction. This is a duo that I feel um, is underappreciated. And over time, I think that's going to kind of change. And it's interesting because they are part of the Warriors teams that made it five times in a row. I, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Draymond Green and Klay Thompson as a, as a duo. So um, mm. they, they will never, I don't believe that they will ever get the praise that they deserve because, first of all, they played next to Curry, a back-to-back MVP, a un- the only unanimous MVP of all time, who was really on another level for those few years. Um, but Clay, for example, by himself particularly, he could he could be the number one on, I would say, almost every every team. And he has stayed there, played next to him. He has been another, you know, the second part of the Splash Brothers. But he kind of gets overshadowed just because Steph, I mean, dude, the guy is really, really great. I'm just saying, I don't think um, they have been as appreciated because it's always, maybe it's Steph and Clay, but now that KD came and they won those two, it's like Steph and KD and these guys fall back. And for me, particularly Draymond Green, Draymond Green's value to the Warriors success in these last five years has been, um, it's the intangibles that he does. If you look at his stat line, Nine points, 6.9 uh, rebounds, five assists. That's really not impressive. You're like, well, what? why is this guy? Let me just one stat real quick before I get your guys' opinion on it. So Draymond through 2012 through 2019, he has the second highest plus or minus of any player in the NBA behind Steph Curry. The argument there, people will say, well, it's because he played with Steph Curry. When Curry was on the floor without Draymond, the team's plus or plus minus per 100 possessions was plus 6.2. With both of them on the court, the plus minus goes to plus 14.8. I think that right there just goes to show how much better Draymond makes the overall team. And again, he's going to be forgotten, kind of like Kevin Love with those Cavs teams, I feel, when in reality, without him, I don't know how many championships they win. So let me. What, what do you guys think about this? I think it's a super interesting take, and, and I really appreciate it. My the one thing that popped into my head is the way that you're framing uh, Draymond and Clay as a tandem. There, I I would suggest that had Durant not joined them in Golden State, I don't think you would ever have done that. And mm-hmm. I compl- I I see where you're coming from. You know, if Durant never goes there, then then maybe potentially the best duo of all time is is Stephen Clay mm-hmm. right and, and so it would be it would be viewed differently Draymond I uh, love hate relationship in the last two years I have grown to appreciate him uh, a, a lot more and I think um, as as one is building a jigsaw puzzle you know 
when you get to the last few pieces, you have to find exactly which piece goes in the exact right spot or else it won't fit. Uh, Draymond Green was in the exact right spot in the exact right place, and it was the perfect fit. And I believe Steve Kerr had a lot to do with that as you see him progress over the years under his guidance and direction. Um, but, but yeah, Heido, I, I, I think that's fair. Um, I, I, all, I will say this, though. I'm on the camp that if you put Draymond Green within an, uh, another organization, uh, on another team, who isn't surrounded by the two best shooters in the world, and that turns into the three best shooters in the world, I don't know if that plus-minus remains what it is. I don't know if he is viewed as good as he is. That totally fair. I think that's a really good point. And also, you're right, dude. If KD doesn't go there, obviously a lot of things change for the whole league. But for sure, I mean, they had just they had the best record in of all time regular season without KD. They just couldn't yeah. get the championship, which is you know why he went. Uh, we'll talk about that here in a little. But you're right. I also agree that Draymond fell into the perfect spot where he was able to use his intangibles like i said the defense maybe the assist kind of running the show in a different way rather than being a focal point feels a focal point i do think dre's uh uh career would have been very very different just because he was he's not that talented of a scorer to be honest and his shooting really is not that good but Mm -hmm. What he did for this team was very important. So, Chris, what do you think, if you have any thoughts on that? And then also, what is your duo that um, comes to mind? Yeah, I think you guys pretty much summed it up. Um, that's an interesting pick, definitely overlooked. Um, but, yeah, I think, speaking of overlooked, I'm going to close out this duo of the decade here by going to the grindhouse. I am going to the grindhouse. The grit and the grind in Memphis Zach Randolph and Mark Gasol. Um, they had a three-year stretch from 2012 to 2015. 56 wins, 50 wins, 55 wins. Um, they didn't. They don't get enough credit because they weren't as successful as they could have been in the playoffs. But let uh, one reason why it was such a tough place to play. Opponents' points per game in 2012, 89th first in the NBA. 2013, 94, third in the NBA. And then 2014, 95, second in the NBA. And Zach Randolph and Marcus had a lot to do with that. I know they did have some good defenders on the wing too, but I feel like those two were like the centerpiece of that team. That's a, that was a place that was very tough to play. Uh, like you said, I mean, 50 plus wins, that's not uh, an easy feat to accomplish. And they're definitely an overlooked for sure, dude. I mean, the fact that Memphis was always there, couldn't get it done, but they just fall behind all these other kind of duos or, or stars. But, dude, they were some of the best. And Zebo, man, I always love watching Zebo, the left hand. He wouldn't back down to anyone. The dude was tough. And Gasol really became a really good player. I don't even think the Grizzlies thought he was going to be that good when they traded him for his older brother. Um, and he, and he surprised them, you know, and he did become a champ, obviously, at the end there with the Raptors. So, uh, really interesting. Keeks, what are your thoughts on that one? And well, yeah, and it was either in 12 or 13, but they upset the Spurs uh, in the first round. Completely, sh completely shocked them. A Spurs team that absolutely had aspirations of going to the title that year. And, and the Grizzlies, Grizzlies knocked them out early. And so, you never know what could have happened had that not happened because those Spurs teams were really hitting their stride right there in 12, 13, and 14, as we know, as we'll get to. But that's what sticks out to me with them. 
Yeah. Um, so in 2012-2013, they took down the Clippers. They took down the Thunder. And then the Spurs took them down at that point. But um, just a little bit to add to like the, the grit and the grind. In these years, they were um, 27th off in uh points per game 27th 20th uh 24th um it, they got it done on defense wow that that's yeah. that's a really good stat dude just because especially the game at that point was where it was kind of transitioning to this even small ball faster type of game you know and and they they were just doing so well on defense that they really didn't rely on offense hardly at all so um very interesting and good pick and so let's get into this very last um mini segment here um, before we get into our each individual teams of the decade. So we will also talk about the best draft class of the decade before um, a great segment that I think there's a lot of ways we can go to with what was the uh, biggest what if of the decade, kind of a sliding door segment where we don't know, you know, what could have happened had things gone the opposite way. So um, for the best draft class, I think, again, um, there's been so much talent coming that uh, is really leading this years or so from starting 2010 to um, going into the 2020s and I'll start off by saying that I believe the best overall draft class was the 2011 draft class um, I, I'll get you guys' opinion here but the, the players that come to mind when you look at that list you got Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, Clay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard which were I think the four superstars I mean Kemba's right in there uh, and then you got Nikola Vucevic Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, Tristan Thompson, um, the Morris twins, some more kind of role players like Iman Shumpert, Kenneth Fareed, uh, Bojan Bogdanovic, Chandler Parsons, and closing it out with the very last pick of the entire um, draft that year was IT4 Isaiah Thomas, who um, ended up becoming a really good player in his own right, uh, especially when he was there in Boston. So for me, 2011 draft class was probably overall the deepest with really top end talent and then some guys that had um have had some solid careers um we'll go uh keegan what what do you think here would you agree did you have another one in yeah mind? no 11's it 11's it and it's not close when you take a when you take an examination of who's won a title who's been a part of a title team who's the superstars now you you, you did it correctly norris cole was also a part of that class who was a, a very mm -hmm. good role player on championship teams down there in miami so, yeah, 2011's it, and then I, I have two other ones that really stick out to me. I'm curious who Chris has, and if that's okay, I'll talk about the other one. I, I bet we're on the same page here. Yeah, the, Chris, what, what were you thinking? So that way, it's probably one of, of Keegan's. Who did you have after 2011? Because like you said, I do think they're head, head and shoulders above, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, there's a couple of other classes I was looking at. I really do like uh, a most uh, recent one, um, 2016. 2016 had some re has some really young and up and coming players. Uh, ben Simmons, Brandon Ingram's coming into his own right. Um, Jalen Brown just got the bag for Boston. You got Buddy Hield as sixth overall. Jamal Murray. Uh, don't don't a uh, domantas sabonis i mean he's 
he's an up-and-coming player with the Pacers as well. He just made his first All-Star team. Uh, you got some other players like Pascal Siakam. Um, Karis LeVert was a, was a good player too. Um, yeah, I don't know. 20, 2016 was really good to me too. So, what, yeah, that's... I, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was wondering which ones were I, yours. What were your... Yeah, I actually, I'm not, I actually differ there. I actually differ there. And I, I see 16 and I see the top heaviness of, of Simmons, Ingram, Brown, Buddy Hield, and Jamal Murray. Uh, but I also thought about the other, like when I look at that draft class, I look at the top 10 and I see the guys that I would consider maybe not bust, but guys that certainly haven't uh, lived up to their potential. Uh, I, I think of Bender and Dunn and Chris and, and Thon Maker. I think of these guys. So that one, I'll be honest, Chris, that one didn't stick out to me as much. I do recognize the top heaviness, heaviness of it. But the two classes that I look at, I'll, I'll go back one year to 2015. I see more longevity uh, of, of star power with this class with Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell and, of course, the unicorn in Porzingis, Emmanuel Moutier, uh, Justice, uh, Justice Winslow. I think he's going to continue to be a force. Miles Turner has already made some noise in the playoffs. Don't forget Devin Booker. How about Terry, Terry mm-hmm. Rozier leading the Celtics at point guard in 2018? Uh, I think Bobby Portis is going to be a really good player. We've seen Larry Nance play in the finals. Kevon Looney has some rings. Pat Connaughton. As it has a strong role on the best team in the NBA right now, the Milwaukee Bucks. Norman Powell has a ring out there in Toronto. Like 2015 is deep to me. Uh, and the other one is more recent, 2018. But I do think that we do need to recognize that because of the recency bias, there's an opportunity for some of these names that I'm going to say in a second. And you guys will like nod your head and be like, oh, yeah, wow, those guys were all in one draft. But it's it, it's <laughs> recent. There still is a lot of opportunity for these guys to fall off and to become I- irrelevant, right? But that's the class of uh, Aiton, Bagley, um, more importantly, Luka Doncic, and Trey Young. Uh, then you got uh, Mo Bamba. You got guys like uh, Sexton, Knox, and Bridges that are still trying to fill out. And then you got Devontae Graham from Kansas, who showed great signs out there in Charlotte, and Michael Porter, who I think has a lot of potential uh, out in Denver, if he could ever get healthy and adjust to that altitude, but 2018 looks strong to me, guys. Uh, if I can interject here real quick um, about 2015, I do think 2015 was a super deep class, but to me, it honestly lacks a little bit of star power. Like Russell's already on his fourth <laughs> team, sure. um, one All Star appearance, I believe, and. Carl Anthony Towns is he's he's legit. He's what's up. But then Jalil Okafor, yeah. he's a he was supposed to be a superstar, yeah. and he he he's what on his third or fourth team too. Porzingis has been hurt a little bit, even though he was a superstar before his injury. Uh, Super Mario, a little bit disappointing. Collie Stein, Stanley Johnson, Kaminsky, Winslow, some some disappointing picks in the top ten. But overall, it was a really uh, deep class. Well. That's interesting, guys, because actually neither of those I, – I like those. And actually, yeah, 2015, I agree, isn't as star-heavy. But the role players and the guys who have had an impact on teams is actually maybe the deepest one of all of uh, this, this decade. So I like that pick. For me, we didn't mention the 2010 draft class, which was the first one of the decade. To me, that one also yeah. had – um, maybe not as many stars, but some good players in. So first of all, you John Wall, that, you know, a star, maybe the results haven't been what you would expect out of him, but he's a really good player. Evan Turner, Boogie Cousins, Gordon Hayward, Paul George, 
Eric Bledsoe. Um, and then you got these role players like Avery Bradley, who has been important when he was in Boston, hopefully this year with the Lakers as well. He's, I mean, he's been really good in the regular season as a role player, could come through. Um, Hassan Whiteside, a big guy who, again, maybe in these last couple of years has kind of fallen off or whatever you want to call it, but he well, really big rim protector, Lance Stevenson, right there with that Paul George um, in Indiana yeah. team blowing in LeBron's ear. Um, mm-hmm. And then you got Derek Favors, Greg Monroe, and Ed Davis, who were guys that, again, maybe not stars, but have had an impact on their teams and have had pretty good careers. So um, it's interesting. We're all over the, the place here, and it's, it's and- a good you know point to make that different perspective completely and and, and, to, and to be I mean, fair sorry chris sorry um to be completely fair like of 2010 they've obviously had the longest amount of time to filter out and to drop right off. look in 28 look even 2016 2016 to 2018 in eight to ten years that our opinions could be drastically different there might only be four mm-hmm. or five of those names are like oh yeah he's still relevant and we'll be like hey remember when pat Connaughton was kind of cool there for 18 months you know you know, it's just one. It's just recency, and and no, that that's great. Twenty ten is very strong. And we're we're overlooking here. I think the player who is you know the best draft pick of the decade, his draft class of twenty twelve, in Anthony yeah. Davis. Yeah. Um, Anthony Davis, Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard, Andre Drummond. There's some there's some players in Dr- 2012. Dr- Evan Draymond Fournier, in the Jarrett's. second round. Even Draymond. Harrison yeah. Barnes, too, who was a big part of that first championship with Golden State there in uh, 2012. Yeah. yeah, he was a big player at UNC back in the day, Ed Harrison Barnes. So, yeah, this 2012 was tough. Too. Certainly. It's true. It's true. It'll be interesting to see. Um, as you said, man, time will tell. You know, it changes a lot of opinions. Some of these guys may even become better, but – also, with time, we'll see with these draft classes. And even, you know, 2019 with Zion, Morant, obviously completely early. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying we don't know if, if if what if they're the next wave, which I could see, especially, you know, um, Zion and Morant look like they can literally carry the league with kind of their swagger and obviously the way they play. But, you know. Kobe White. It, exactly, yeah. Kobe White in Chicago. I mean, but, it, it, mm-hmm. yeah, literally there's a lot of guys. But, obviously, one year out, this I don't think they would really apply for this um, segment yet. But they may be the guys that we're talking about in 10 years like these guys have been you know who followed after kd lebron etc so um quite interesting so let's get into um this what if segment i love this this was actually um an idea from keegan and i truly think it's a great one because there have been moves that have happened in the league or haven't happened that truly have changed the trajectory, not only for one, two years, but literally for the future. Um, so, Keegan, <laughs> since you came up with this great idea, get us started. I think we could each go at least one or two, but let's see what's on the top of your <laughs> list for a what-if moment that had or had not happened could have completely changed this league. What, what do you think? Sure, man, and I, I appreciate it. I think this will be a lot of fun. Uh, bear, bear with me for a moment, guys. Listen, I've always, well, I would say since about 2004, 2005, I've been a, uh, a high, I've been a high up coordinate cor- corporate businessman of the LeBron James camp. And, and being that being in the high position that I am, um, you got to suggest that he's the greatest of all time. Okay. And with that being said, I'm with it. <laughs> with that being said, the last uh, two months, have uh, have been uh, interesting for our office as uh, as I know you guys are aware the last dance came out 
to featured uh, mm-hmm. Michael Jordan and his awesome story, his awesome career. Um, and I'm watching that, guys. And and I I remember after he got his first three peak. And all the drama, all the mental toughness, all the mental fatigue that came with that. And the episode ended, and I'm like, all right, he just beat Barkley. He's got that third ring. You're telling me he's about to do that again? He's about to do it one more time and get three more? I mean, that just astonished me. And then I'm sitting there thinking, it is unbelievable that LeBron James has been to nine NBA finals. He's been to nine of them things, yet he's only won three. And I just start to think about all of the bad bounces and the bad breaks and the unfortunate circumstances and the cowardly moves that had taken that took place that have resulted in LeBron James having a three and six finals record. And so I, I started I started replaying it. What if this happened? What if that happened? What if this would have gone down differently? So I start here. I'll start here with for you guys. What if the Heat don't lose? to the Dallas Mavericks in 2011. And in my opinion, if you play that series 10 times, the Miami Heat win 9 out of 10 times. It just so happened that the one time was reality. And so what if the Heat don't lose to the Mavs in 11? Walk with me now. LeBron starts his finals career 1-1, correct? He lost to the Spurs in 07, but he gets the Mavs in 11. Now he's 1-1. Now we know what happened next. He gets uh, he gets 12 and he gets 13. Now, simple math, if you win in 11 and 12 and 13, you have a three-peat. So if he beats the Mavs in 11, LeBron is now a proud owner of the few and far between NBA Finals three-peats, right? So walk with me there. Walk with me there. He loses to the Spurs, the Spurs in 14. I'll give you that. He's all of a sudden three and two. In the finals. What if Kyrie and Kevin Love are healthy in 2015? I think all three of us would agree that the Cleveland Cavaliers would probably have won that thing. Suddenly, LeBron is 4-2 in the finals. Now, we know what happened in 16. They win that. They did. 5-2 in the finals. 5-2 in the finals before Kevin Durant made the choice that he did. Now, listen. 5-2 suddenly sounds a whole lot different and i assume one of you gentlemen is going to take the direction of what if kevin durant (laughs) didn't go to golden state i hope you do if not throw it back to me i'll walk you through that happily but what (laughs) if lebron in the heat would have beat the mavs in 2011 the narrative would have changed drastically Mm. i before chris before we get yours i just want to say um yeah i think it would have been obviously as well the first three peat since the Lakers did it in the early 2000s. So that would have been another distinction um, to happen. And also LeBron didn't, he literally had a bad NBA finals in that one against Dallas. So that yeah. would have also changed his, his narrative completely, you know, and mm. saying um, not only did he win it, but he would have most likely won um, finals MVP just as he has in his three wins. So that's an interesting one. I hadn't really considered that one. So that's a good point, Chris. What, what came to your mind? So what came to my mind um, right away is the Thunder deciding to pay Kendrick <laughs> Perkins and and shipping James Harden to the Rockets for Kevin Martin. What if they were like, hey, Kendrick Perkins isn't all that great. He's a role player. He's a big body. He's a good defender. But what if we're like, hey, let's keep the sixth man of the year 
um, someone we just got to the finals with, um, and we're all very young. And let's see what happens with those three. But no, they're like, nah, we'll get rid of James Harden. Like, what <laughs> happens to the NBA if James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and Kevin Durant um, stick with each other for at least a few more years? Like, maybe Harden doesn't develop the way he did, or same with Westbrook. But, like, how can you beat that team uh, coming off a of finals loss, you know, with some experience? Um, Serge Ibaka can still play down low. Like, I don't, I, I will never stop thinking about what would have happened to the NBA if the Thunder didn't do what they 100%. did. 100%. <laughs> yeah, dude, that is on my list. And I just want to add the in, in hindsight, Oklahoma City thought Kevin Martin is going <laughs> to do what James Harden does. Think about uh... what that sounds like in 2020 saying they, they literally were like, oh, this is a good deal because they got Kevin Martin, yeah. Jeremy Lamb, two first rounders and a second rounder. And they're like, yeah, I mean, we literally won this deal. Seven years later, eight years later, it's ridiculous. And I, I completely agree. I think if you have those three together, it could have been a historic three. I don't know if it works with, you know, sharing the ball. There's no Warriors. That. Yeah, yeah, that's the, okay, that's the other one since we're sticking. I was I have two, so I'll kind of snake it since I'll go back to back and flip it back to you guys. Sticking with that LeBron, you know, theme of, of his championships as well. I got to go with what if the Thunder – don't lose the Western Conference Finals when they were up three to one. Yeah. I think that changes for sure the last five years of the NBA because there would have been no reason for Kevin Durant to leave. Him and Russ would have said, even if they don't win that finals, which I think they probably would have, but they say, dude, we literally made it. We made it in 2012. We made it again. Let me re-sign at least a two-year deal. We know the players now don't want to get locked into those four or five-year deals, kind of how LeBron does it, almost a year-to-year thing. But let's assume he says, I'll do two years. They give it another shot, and they stay together, which then means Golden State obviously doesn't get Kevin Durant and just runs the table for the next three years where they went two of three. Um, So I think that's a huge, huge one that – We'll never know. I mean, they needed to win one game. Game six was a historic performance by Klay Thompson in Oklahoma City. And um, they just, they didn't have, they ran out of juice to beat that Golden State team. And what happens even to Golden State at that point where they hadn't won? And it's like, I mean, you don't know. You don't know what could have happened. Do they win maybe just one? I, we don't know. I just think it's a, it's a big one. So. Um, interesting. I don't know if you guys yeah. have something to say, and I uh, have another one. I love that. Listen, from 2015 to 2018, the NBA Finals were the two same teams, the Cleveland Cavaliers mm-hmm. and the Golden State Warriors. In your scenario, listen, if Durant does stay, or even if Durant goes somewhere else, that it's not going to be the two same teams in that four-year window. Okay, The Warriors <laughs> would not have made it every year. I, I can tell you that right now. If, if you would have stayed in OKC, I promise you, I absolutely promise you, in 17 or 18, the Thunder would have figured it out and gotten yep. to the finals. Because in that scenario, look, the, the, the drama between Durant and Westbrook has to cease. It has to be diminished somewhere. And to me, that results in them being in, in the top two teams of the NBA, and they at least get to the NBA Finals. I, I, I love that. The league would have been more fun. The league would have been less top-heavy, would have been less stacked. There would have been more parity. If I could go back in time and change something, it, it's something like that, Heidel, 100%. 
Yeah. And I think, you know what? It reminds me of Kobe and Shaq, man. Before they won the first one, uh, you know, it was just the anniversary of them beating the Blazers in game seven of the Western Conference Finals. Um, it's kind of almost the same thing. I think if Shaq and Kobe lose there, maybe they fall apart, kind of like KD left. One of them leaves. They won that one. They win the championship, and the rest is history. What happens if that happens with, with uh, the Thunder? And they stick to it, and they win one or two. I've argued that I believe if KD would have stayed, one championship in Oklahoma City would have trumped his two in Golden State. 100%. All he needed was, yeah. you know, all he needed was one. He would have been the man because even though Russ was coming into his own and has been great for a long time, everyone knew that KD was the man. That was his team. And that was the rift between them. But, dude, you know, winning cures all. So um, it's interesting. And, and my second one before uh, we, we – Take it back to Chris. Yeah, yeah, just real quick, just the, real quick. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I know, yeah. I know this is hot, but I just want to get this out there that I'm still waiting for Kevin Durant to still to win his first legitimate NBA title, and I'll just yeah. leave that there. Yep. I'm with. If he wins in Brooklyn, I agree. He wins in Brooklyn. I think it very much salvages a lot of that hate. If he never wins another championship, it's gonna be tough, man. Even for me, Dirk's one championship is more valuable than KD's yeah, two championships. Yeah, hundred percent. And I'll never, Chris, I'll, never I'll never let anyone forget yeah. that. If he only wins these two yep. in Golden State, I will be the poster boy of that. And I will <laughs> I will tell my grandsons about that and make sure that he's in his rightful place. Mm-hmm. Um, what I was gonna say is like maybe Durant can win one with Kyrie Irving in that new league. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> That'll be his one. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Um and speaking, uh, I got to go with another one that, I mean, will always bother me forever is the Chris Paul trade that got rescinded by David Stern and the NBA. Again, I was listening to actually a Kobe Bryant book where I learned a lot of stuff that I didn't know about him. And I'm a huge Kobe fan forever. One of them was just the, the, the fact that the NBA was tired of having L.A. a huge market just continually going to the to the um, championship and having, you know, all the praise, whatever you want to say. And the timing of the fact that New Orleans was owned at the time by the NBA, there was no actual owner, yeah. which gave David Stern the full power to say, nope. And the both teams had already agreed to the deal, actually, which was going to send Pau Gasol, Lamar Odom, I believe. It was actually a pretty fair trade. It's just that he literally said, he was like, the LA, the Lakers will not get another star that could keep them at the top for a long time. And I think that goes down the line to Kobe tearing his Achilles by having to work so hard because, you know, that super team, quote unquote, didn't work the out. Nash and- exactly. The Nash one, which Nash also broke his leg. So that's another kind of what if. Um, but it all starts with CP. I think CP in that time, think about it. He's still playing pretty well eight years later. At that point, yeah. Kobe takes a kind of a backseat. CP's the man. And I do think that CP was a guy that would have stepped up to Kobe. There's very few guys that have the, the personality to kind of like go back at him. I think it would have been really fun to see a guy like CP who's always the leader and is always fighting his teammates historically. He would have said, Kobe, Chill out, bro. I'm going to run this. You're the man when we got to close. And I believe that they could have won at least one, which would have changed Chris Paul's legacy forever and would have added a sixth ring to Kobe. And I'm saying just one, you know, I think two, three is maybe too much. You never know. I'm just saying, man, it's crazy that the NBA was like, nope. And, you know, lo and behold, he ends up 
in LA anyway on the other team and they never win, not even get to a Western Conference final. So, you know, just kind of a very interesting one that's personal to me, but I think it changes a lot of trajectory of the NBA. That's really good. And when I think about Chris Paul and Kobe Bryant potentially being teammates, I think about how similar they are with their mindset and their leadership Mm -hmm. and their tenacity. Look, we're talking about guys that both are very hard on teammates to the point of whatever it takes to win would have absolutely been fascinating to watch that together. Well, one, you guys break down for me what that, what that lineup would have been in in the year, if that trade wouldn't have been vetoed. So yeah. um, Lamar Odom and uh, would have went to the, were they, what were they, the Hornets or the Pelicans? Yeah, it was Hornets. still the Hornets, yeah. I believe. Yep. The Hornets. Okay, so he would have went to the Hornets. The Rockets would have sent Ariza to the Hornets, I believe. I'm just going off memory. I guess I could vet this. but And then Pau Gasol would have went to the Rockets. Uh, so the Lakers would have had uh, CP3, Kobe, Metal World Peace, or, you know, the Panda Friend yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Andrew Bynum down low, and they could have found someone. They would have filled it in after that. Yeah, that's it's still still scary, still scary, still scary because they were healthy and CP would have been still in his prime. So, and I think they would have picked up one or two other good role players that could have made it happen. Um, hundred percent. It's interesting. Yeah, and instead, I mean, Dwight's pal stays. Dwight comes. Uh, Steve Nash comes, and the next year, yeah, and it literally didn't. You know. It didn't work at all for Dwight and Kobe personally. And then, like I said, Nash got hurt and was never himself. So it's just an interesting kind of sliding door that we'll never know. And um, maybe CP never gets his ring. We'll see. There's no guarantee, you know. But I really do think that him and Kobe, as you mentioned, Keegan, win at all costs, dude. I yeah. think they would have found a way to, to, to push it at least to a Western Conference final and give themselves a shot. So it's interesting. Um, but, Chris, do you have – Anything else in mind? And then, Keegan, you can close us out as well if you guys have any other ones. Yeah, real quick, um, with the CP3 thing, after that, Lamar Odom kind of freaked out, and we had to ship him to to Dallas. Mm -hmm. So, like, we lost Lamar Odom anyways, and his career kind of fell off at that point. Um, We know the kind of the sad situation he was in. But uh, we would have kept Bynum. Bynum's career kind of fell apart after we traded him for Dwight. so it's interesting how many careers this uh, affected when David Stern was like, nah, I'm good, veto, which is a total conflict <laughs> of interest. But um, <laughs> The commissioner turned into the dictator the NBA, real quick. Uh, well, yeah, yep. the, com- the commissioner and the owner simultaneously. Like, I don't, I don't still h- understand how that was a thing. But mine, uh, to transition to mine, I'll, I'll make it quick. Um, Keegan, you brought up a good point, and I'll uh, – I'll use this one as my second what if is like what if Draymond Green doesn't get suspended <laughs> in game yeah. five of the 2000 what 16 mm-hmm. uh NBA yep. finals um the Warriors I think would have won um and not it's not to take anything away from Le- what LeBron and Kyrie did those last three games but um let's say they win that series because he'd never get suspended um they they could have went down as the greatest team of all time, you know, top in the 2000, 2001 Lakers top in the, you know, the 96 bulls. Um, but they'll be the, they'll forever be the team instead known as the team that lost, uh, went up three, one, um, as a 73 win team 
So yeah, they'll they'll always be a team of uh, chokers apparently, and then they'll you know they went and recruited Duran at that point. Okay, yeah. Chris, can I can I tell you what would have happened if Draymond would have played in that game? Okay. So, yeah, go ahead. And, and this is I just have to do this, and I listen. I'm not being. I'm, I just you know <laughs> you guys know me by now. Look, if Draymond would have played in that game where Draymond didn't play, LeBron and Kyrie both gave them 42 apiece. All right. So say Draymond's in there, he. Have, First teammates bit. in NBA Finals, bro, to get 40 points in the same <laughs> that's game. That's it. That's it, man. Preach on him one time. Listen, say Draymond's in there. Say that subtracts LeBron and Kyrie's total each by seven. Okay? Minus 14 to the total. Guess what? The Cavs still win by one. That's what would have happened. That's what would have happened. Right? <laughs> okay. I, and that was actually mine as well, is what happens if they don't win that one? Does LeBron keep trying in Cleveland? Because yeah. I think it, yeah. it it gives this pressure, dude, that he, you know, he said, my promise is to bring one to you guys. He got it done in the most dramatic fashion, which was truly amazing. But I don't know if he's like, dude, can I really keep trying and, and fail the whole time? I don't, I, it's an, another interesting aspect that's like, you know, once he got it done, dude, he stuck again. And I think they went, if not to two more, it was for sure the next year. Um, but at that point, it was all cherry on top if he won one more. So it, he got his job done that year, you know, in dramatic fashion. If they don't win that title, LeBron is not viewed by anybody in the same light that he currently is. It was that moment. It was a transcendent moment in that summer of 2016 on Father's Day when he won that series that very many people started putting him in the same breath as Michael Jordan. And that's just a fact. I'll, I'll close it out with that's why Michael Jordan made this documentary that you just referenced. <laughs> yeah. That is why, because it was finally the one time when he was like, oh man, people are actually considering it. And it's real close. It's not some hyperbole type of, it's like, this guy is legit. And like, oh, the girl. Yeah, yeah no, it's yeah, like, oh it's, man. It's close. Yeah, it's and, close. Uh, with that Bulls team, and it reminds me of Golden State, their mantra was 72 and 10 don't mean a thing mm -hmm. without the ring. 73 and 9 to me is not as impressive without the ring. LeBron Agreed. said, that's it. But, boys, are you ready to get into our teams of the decade? Yeah, yeah. One one more popped into my head, and I don't want to go too much on it. I just want you guys to think about it and go, oh, yeah, that would have been crazy. Is that all right? It popped into my head. Get, let's start the, the, the league one with that. Okay, okay. All right, guys, I thought of one more. Listen, after Kevin Durant beat LeBron in the Cavs with the Warriors in that first title in 2017, the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James are all looking around like, what the heck are we supposed to do? We've, ne we've never seen a juggernaut team like this, and that's what we as fans were thinking too. And listen, the Cavaliers pushed a trade through that would have acquired Paul George and, and Paul George would have been in Cleveland. Now I'm not quite sure if Kyrie was still would have been there or not. I believe Kyrie thought he would have been out. There's lots of rumors. I can't wait for the documentary in 15 years. We'll get all the insights on that. But, <laughs> but, but, but Cleveland, Cleveland, Indiana tentatively agreed on the trade, but Indiana got cold feet at the last second and said, actually, no, sorry. And Kyrie got really mad, and then he wanted a trade, and he got. And that's how he ended up as a Celtic. But could you imagine what would have that looked like in 2018 with PG out there with Braun, good friends by the way, in, in Cleveland? And that that's a great point, actually. I had that's another one again that 
uh, gets super overlooked just because, I mean, history is another way with Kyrie, K-Love, and LeBron. And you're right. I think the bigger after effect is Kyrie getting mad, you know, and kind of saying, I am over being under, quote unquote, LeBron's shadow. I want my own squad. And he would have left, kind of maybe gotten whatever he wanted. But dude, PG and LeBron, I mean, you can't ask for two better um, two-way players that could have done it all. And even PG could have taken some pressure off of LeBron. Again, maybe even LeBron doesn't even end up a Laker. Maybe he wins one more in Cleveland and just kicks it there till, till, till the end. So Huh, that's that's an interesting one. And again, PG could have maybe gotten his. It's kind of a similar thing with CP3 where all you need is one, man. You win one and you're forever, you know, like the pressure's off. You never win one. It, you don't want to be in that list with uh, John Stockton's, Carl Malone's, Reggie Miller's of the world. That's right, man. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one to bring up. Um, but you guys ready to talk about team of the decade? Because... For our listeners, we did draft um, a starting five and a six man um, for like our our teams of the decade so we can kind of compete to see who had better teams. And just so the listeners know, um, it's just the this decade that counts. So if we if we took someone that was big in the 2000s as well, you got to think of them in the 2010s. Um, the purpose is just so that we can talk about many, many of the top players of the decade and just to see who you, who you guys think would win in like a like a five on five, uh, yeah. like a, some some exhibition games, kind of like what Jordan was doing um, when filming um, Space Jam. Space Jam would be kind of yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. I like that. And uh, so just to be clear, we did we did it. Try to do it as a straight up lineup. We didn't go like our best players regardless of position. So point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. Some guys, especially in the decade, can mix and match into different positions. So I thought that was interesting because you could see even with the top players as we were drafting, um, a lot of these guys could play even from two to four, things like that. So it was very interesting. So with that being said, Keegan, why don't you start us off with um, your point guard of your team and then, you know, some stats and, and kind of the reason why you picked him. And then we'll go myself and Chris. So, Sure. So we're, so it's just point guard. We're not going in the order of, of players picked. Is that right? Yeah, we'll go with lineup. That way we could stick to positions, make it a little clearer for the listeners. And then, of course, at the end, we will, um, you know, kind of go over the lineup. So, yeah, go go point guard so they, they can kind of follow a little easier. Sure. So so with my point guard, understand this was this was not the first point guard off the board when we did the draft. But my mine is somebody that <laughs> we were uh, we were just discussing. Someone that I I am a I was a great fan of. I still will always honor and respect him deep down in my soul for many reasons. But it's Kyrie Irving. It's Kyrie Irving, in my opinion, the most dynamic ball handling ability of all time. Um, arguably, has the uh, most clutch shot in NBA Finals history. Of course, that could be debated. <laughs> I I'm like that. Cu- I, I'm I've... with that actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, his creativity, one of the most creative players that, that I've ever watched, one of the most fun players to watch. And I, I believe Kyrie has an ability to finish at the rim with finesse, unlike anybody that I've ever seen. And we don't have to talk about all the off the court, all of the weird theories, all of the starting <laughs> the your own earth. league on the flat earth. Yeah, we don't have to do any of that. The Irving League. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but when it comes to basketball, this dude is feared. And, and I'll, I'll be happy to have him running the point for my team. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a good pick there, um, especially considering um, how good he was on any team he played. Yeah, I mean, he, he had a little bit of injuries towards the end of the decade, but like he was someone you always wanted to watch at Duke, in Cleveland, Boston, wherever. Yeah, <laughs> I, he right. also has the best body control of a player yes. I've ever seen. To see, he does some things that literally you're like, how did he move his body? He doesn't in midair sometimes. It's very, very unique. Um, and with that, I I love the pick. I gotta go with a, a little a little beef that you said there, Keegan. You said <laughs> he's the most. I would agree, dynamic. Uh, a ball handler. I think the best ball handler is my point guard, which will transport, uh, go to here in Chris Paul. I think just, oh, this guy has it on a string. I don't think he's as flashy as Kyrie. That's why I think the dynamic is a perfect word. I just think CP3, who's my starting point guard, Chris Paul, is the best just ball handler, can get in through any kind of like gap, can move the ball very well. Again, he's not the type of player that Kyrie is, but. I mean, he's led the, the league in assists several times, two-time assist leader in 2014-2015. In Some stats for Chris Paul for the decade, not for his career. 18 points a game, 9.6 assists, 4.4 uh, rebounds, and 2.1 steals for the decade is what he averaged. Eight-time All-Star. He was a three-time first All-NBA, second-team All-NBA twice, and one in the third. So seven times he was in the decade an all-NBA player, whether it be first, second, or third. He's also a six-time NBA defensive first-team player in the uh, in, for 2010, seven overall. Um, and he's just uh, one of the greatest point guards, I believe. The He's also the NBA steals leader four times in the decade, six overall. Uh, he was an Olympic gold medalist in 2012. So I think the accolades are all there. The one argument that is going to stick, he just reminds me so much of John Stockton because of how great they were, how great of passers they were. But if you don't get it done and win that one ring, it's going to be very, very difficult to say he was the greatest. I think if he wins, I mean, he's up there. Magic Johnson probably will always you know, surpass everyone, but I wouldn't put it past anyone at putting him at second overall point guard if he could win a championship he just hasn't gotten it done yeah um a good comp i have for cp3 is uh tell me if i'm wrong here or not but uh isaiah thomas mm. mm-hmm. i like mm-hmm. that uh the pistons yeah they're about you know 18 to 22 points per game almost double digit assists um kind of the floor generals it's just isaiah thomas was more Played played in a different era, and he used that to his advantage. His advantage, of course. And Isaiah Thomas knew how to win. <laughs> yep. It, it, it's yes. Yeah, if CP3 <laughs> won, yeah, mm-hmm. I think he would be above Isaiah. Yeah. Yeah. Isaiah, even though with two, it's tough. But I mean, the stats speak for themselves, and he's done it for a long time. So it would be a much closer um, argument at that point. But dude, I as unfortunate as it is for a lot of these players. I mean, you just don't win it. It's not the same. I, you know, whatever circumstance you want to add into the mix, you, you just got to win. Winning cures all. So, um, what, stuff, so. What, Chris yeah, Paul yeah. Has done, what Chris Paul has done with the Thunder this year is as impressive as anything to me. Him uh, building Shea Gilgis-Alexander along and having the Thunder in that five spot right there in contention. I mean, he's leading the way. He made the All-Star game again where he kind of was dealt a, a sorry hand 
uh, being in OKC by himself. But no, I, I, Chris Paul is uh, as re- should be as respected as any point guard in league history. I, I like the pick a lot. Yeah, I do too. And just to touch on that for a second, um, after the Thunder traded for like twenty first round picks in the next ten years, he still get he still has them in the playoffs. He's gonna set them up real nice for the future. Right. Um, yeah. But I was able to take the first point guard off the board here, and I got to go with Stephen Curry as my point guard, six time All Star. He was the scoring champ in 2015, 2016 three-time NBA champ. We're just talking about how important rings are. Um, Two-time MVP back-to-back from 14-15 to 15-16. The only unanimous MVP. He's a three-time All-NBA first team, which is super impressive considering there's Kyrie, there's Lillard, there's Westbrook, Harden's a point guard now, apparently. Um, (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of really, really elite point guards, and to make it three times in a decade as the number one point guard in the league, something to say. And then two-time second team, first-time third team. But what he's most known for, his three-point shooting, NBA active leader in three-point field goals made with 2,495. He's third all-time, 55 behind Miller, who he'll catch with I don't know, like 10 games. <laughs> yeah. um, he would have caught him in Orlando uh, had he got invited. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 478 behind Ray Allen. So it's potentially he can catch him in two healthy seasons. Um, he's got the most three-point field goals made in one season with 402. And people are like, yeah, because he takes like 10 threes a game. But he shoots 45%. Um, Crazy. Yeah, he's... <laughs> He's a career 43.5% shooter on eight attempts per game. And just to put that into perspective, Reggie Miller was at 39% at 4.7. And Ray Allen was 40% at 5.7. So um, Curry is shooting three to four more threes a game compared to both of them and at a higher percentage too. Mm. Impressive. That, That the volume that he shoots at and the accuracy is really, really crazy to think about let me ask you boys before we move on chris you will we'll snake it you could give us your uh shooting guard okay. as well um i just want to ask what is the impact in you guys's opinion keegan you can answer first chris second if steph never wins a nba finals mvp do you guys think that will be an argument against him let's say 15 uh years down the road because he <laughs> won the first one and kd won both when he was there so what do you guys kind of think about that <laughs> well Go ahead, Keegan. Yeah, for guys like for guys like me that are, that love um, easy holes to poke when we get in these sports conversations, <laughs> that's like, a huge one. <laughs> yeah, that's that's an easy one for me. The fact that they mm-hmm. gave it to Iguodala for holding LeBron to 39, 13, and nine, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> he shut him that, down, bro. He shut him down. <laughs> <laughs> that one's that, that one's easy for me, but I don't think in the big picture. And you got to understand, this is really uh, me me swallowing hard here. I don't I don't understand. I don't think in the big picture it's going to. Uh, put a damper on Curry and his legacy because we're talking about a guy that is going to go down as the greatest shooter ever. I think y'all will agree. And he's also going to go down as the guy um, that revolutionized the game. That's a pioneer of the new basketball that is played. And so, no, he doesn't have one of those yet. I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll ever get one of those at the point of the career he's at and the trajectory of the league that I vision happening. Um, but, but no, I think he'll, I think he'll be all right. And that won't be held against him too hard, except for guys like me when we're doing the whole LeBron Warriors debate, <laughs> yeah, which I'll, gotta, I'll always, gotta I'll always have pull a little out. one on the side there. <laughs> yeah, always, always. Yeah. 
Fair. Chris, do you agree? Yeah, he, he a good point with being a pioneer of the game. Um, there's just these one or two guys every every generation that's like, I want to grow up to be like Mike. I want to grow up to be like Kobe, LeBron. Now it's I want to grow up to be Steph Curry, mm-hmm. um, which might not be the best for youngins, um, <laughs> yes, considering considering that. he can pull up from could he considering he can pull up from anywhere and just drain it at a high volume, and not everyone can do that, but they'll try. <laughs> yeah, uh, but and- yeah. Um, that oh, one sec, Kaido. Um, yeah, that yeah. 2018 NBA Finals, he put up 28, 6, and 7 a game. And it's just that Durant, you know, 28, uh, or 29, 10, and 7 as well. So it's just like <laughs> tough. Either of them could have been uh, Finals MVP at that point. I you made know? a take. I made a take after Durant made his decision. I could find it and send it to you guys, but I made a take like whenever Durant went there. I, my take was, is Curry happy about this? Is Stephen Curry happy about this? One, he's going to be sacrificing shots, which ended up not being a problem. They both averaged close to the same thing. But two, he's never going to win an MVP. He's never going to win a league MVP again. He's never going to win a finals MVP again. I'm, I'm lucky that that take was correct. Durant got both of them. But that, my, that was my take. Is Curry happy about this? Like, you had 73 wins. You were uh, a Draymond suspension to some, <laughs> right? Or uh, one game away from having another one like why why does he want him to join and, and that was my take but that's something that that history is always going to have there yeah in 2017 uh curry 27 8 and 9.5 per game in the finals too so he could have also taken that home but you know durant was at 35 a game <laughs> tough yeah and, and uh chris before we go into your shooting guard i also want to say that steph might be the biggest what if of all this decade, if you think about, I don't know if you guys remember his first two or three years, his ankles were literally made of glass. Like the guy was yeah. getting injured big time. What happens if he never corrects that and fixes it? Will the Would the NBA have transitioned to this type of basketball so quickly? Because he's for sure the guy that changed it. I know a lot of other guys came, even his teammate as Clay, but there was there's never been anyone that shoots like Steph Curry at the volume that he does, I wonder if, you know, we would have seen a completely different uh, NBA without him being healthy. That's fair. It's, it's, fair. it's interesting. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so we'll see. We'll see. That's Chris, as well. who'd you get as your shooting guard? Let's do this. And then uh, I'll go and Keegan will will uh, close us out for this, for the shooting guards, top two uh, players. Yeah, I got to go with James Harden here, which if you know me, it pains me to have James Harden on my team (laughs) because I can't stand watching Rockets basketball, but you cannot deny how good he is, though. You cannot want to watch him and uh, accept how good he is at the same time. He's a seven-time All-Star in the decade. He closed out the last two years of the decade as a scoring champ in 2018 and 2019. Sixth man of the year before the Thunder shipped him out. And then he was a 2018 MVP. Five All-NBA first teams. Uh, He was an assist champ in 2017. You know, he's putting up 8.4 assists per game in the last five years of the decade. And just to put one last thing, just to put this into perspective, in in his last six years, he has... Uh, average 30.9 points per game. 30.9 points per game in six years. To put that into perspective, Jordan, number one all-time in points per game over a career, was at 30.1. Wilt was at 30.07. So, like, 
That's a that's an historic pace right there. Crazy. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Harden has, again, so crazy to think that the Thunder traded him for Kevin Martin. Like, this guy uh, <laughs> became, I don't, you know, it was hard to predict that he was going to be this good. But, I mean, it's just crazy. That has to be one of the biggest regrets ever um, of the Oklahoma City, you know, front office. And let's see. Again, I think a guy that winning one championship uh, would just change everything for him. And he's superstar uh, player, really, honestly, fun to watch when he gets into the shooting modes that he does, even though he shoots a lot. A lot of times he's doing things that you're he like, shoots a lot, a lot. <laughs> but you're like, dang, dude, like this guy, how does he not get tired and things like that? Like really, like what he does expends a lot of energy. Um, And yeah, what what a great pick. So, real quick, yep. real quick, the, the, you saying he shoots a lot, like Curry taking like nine, eight, nine threes a game. Harden, takes double digit threes a game and he was at 13 threes a game this last My year goodness what what is his percentage chris uh it's not good it, uh, it's not it's say, not great bob yeah <laughs> it's not great bob yeah it, look look that i think 35 percent I'll, I'll vet it though while you guys go uh talk about y'all's yeah when, when i think of james I'll, harden and we we talk about we talk about kyrie irving being crafty and creative uh, James Harden is right there in my eyes when it comes to craftiness and creative. In my mind, he he invented the kind of the the step back one and a half. If you guys can picture what I'm talking about, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a new footwork that that debuted in this <laughs> decade, and that was that was mastered by him. That we've since seen guys like Stephen Curry and LeBron and KD all implement into their game. The other thing that Harden is the CEO of. And I don't hold this against him, and I'll tell y'all why. And a lot of people do. He gets a negative rap for this. He wow. is the he's the but yeah he's the yep. best hunter of the free throw line mm-hmm. that I've ever seen. The the free throw total uh, <laughs> throughout this decade is not close. James Harden has shot way more free throws than anybody, and he, it is because he is so good at using the system to his advantage, and he is so good at drawing fouls in the most unorthodox, the most sneaky, the most creative way. I don't hold that against him. I'm looking at a guy that knows the rules of the game, knows what it, what, what game he is playing, and said, I'm going to use it to my advantage. Why Why should that be viewed as a negative against him? That's the camp that, I, that I've always been on. I like watching the Rockets. I know it's clunky. I know it, that differs than, from you. Chris, but it's just it's a it's a different game, and Daryl Morey and Mike uh, Mike D'Antoni they've got different plans, but it's different. I enjoy watching the craftiness and the creativeness of what they're trying to do, and I look forward to watching that in in T minus forty something days out in Orlando as well. Yeah, I yeah I I hate sorry Chris, I hate the people that criticize him for it because dude, like you said, he's literally doing. What you're supposed to do, honestly, I mean, there's nothing better than getting to the free throw line, shooting all day. You might as well. That helps all of your stats. It helps your team. And it's not like he's doing something illegal, like stop fouling him if you don't want him to get to the line, you know, or stop him from getting into the paint. And he just does it so well. So um, it's impressive. Chris, anything to add? Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I hope I don't come off as criticizing him as well. I just don't like watching um, because sometimes he's uh, what he's doing. He's just hunting for the foul. He's not driving to score. He's driving to get to the line, which, you know, to his credit, that's, I mean, more power to you, but it's just, <laughs> it's hard to watch for me. 
like knowing that like ah we're playing the Rockets. Harden's gonna get to the line twenty seven times and they're gonna shoot like fifty threes, seventy threes. Um but just about the threes, he shot thirty five percent this last year on almost thirteen threes a game, which was he made the second most threes in one season in NBA history with three seventy two, I believe. Interesting. Well, if he shot anywhere near Curry, the dude would be breaking his records for sure. It's just Curry uh, percentage wise. I'm saying Curry's just on another level. So um, interesting. I'm going to go now with my uh, shooting guard, my starting shooting guard for my team. And that was Paul George. And you may think Paul George, how's that your two? Well, you guys will see uh, it was a mix and mingle here, but Paul George would be who I would start at set, uh, shooting guard. He was drafted in 2010, 10th overall. And the dude for the decade averaged 19.8 points, um, 6.4 rebounds and 3.3 assists. That's considering that his rookie year, he averaged 7.8 points only. And his sophomore year was 12.1 points. So I think that, um, you know, average would obviously really skyrocket had he not started off so slow um but it is what it is and the guy was what a six-time all-star um first time all nba in the decade four-time all nba third team um he's also been a two-time all nba defensive first team so that's where i think him and lebron had they been together it would have been a, a match made in heaven truly um also second team all nba twice steals leader in 2019 and the most improved player in 2013. I think that for me, one of my favorite things about Paul George is how he's had a lot of peaks and valleys in his career, um, you know, starting off slow and then becoming the man in Indiana. And then he breaks his leg and you think, dang, that was a horrible break. Maybe he's done. He literally came back and kind of almost just became a better version of himself. I think uh, a more efficient version being with OKC. And then now with the Clippers, we'll see what him and Kawhi do together. But Paul George, I think, was uh, one of the best players of the decade and just an overall guy that you could put him against anyone and he's going to defend and he's also going to be able to go at you on the offensive end. So um, PG is my shooting guard right there. Uh, what do you think, Keegan? And then give us your uh, your shooting guard as well, your starter. Yeah, Paul George is a top three two-way player of the decade. The only two that might be in front of him are Kawhi and LeBron. So mm-hmm. that that's, that's fantastic. It's a fantastic choice. Appreciate that. My, You're right. Yeah, that, he's tough, dude. I wish I had him on the Lakers. Uh, he was supposed to be in the Lakers, and I'm heard about it. So just wanted well, to throw that, that out there. <laughs> and and that's one of the scariest things for a Lakers fan, as myself, with LeBron being out there. Considering if they meet in the playoffs here in the next 90 days, the Clippers are scary defensively with Kawhi mm-hmm. and Paul George out there. The perimeter is going to be clamped down. They also happen to have Patrick Beverly. So <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it it. it it's a factor when you think of the defensive end. My uh, my my shooting guard is someone who is also floating between the one and the two, someone we've already discussed, and we don't have to repeat ourselves necessarily. I will add a nice uh, Easter egg nugget for you guys about him is Russell Westbrook. Uh, you already mentioned it, Heido. Uh, first player since Oscar Robertson to average a triple-double. He got the MVP in 2017. Uh, is that right? Was it 17? Yeah, I believe yeah. it was 17, and then Harden was after him, right? Yeah, and 17. Giannis, yeah. I think something like that. My favorite, yep. One of my favorite stats about Westbrook that constantly gets brushed under, and, I, and this is really uh, when I remember watching him play and going, holy cow, this guy is built a little bit differently. It was in the 2012 NBA Finals when they're playing against the Heat. It was game four. They lose this game, but he made 20 field goals. 
He made 20 field goals. He had 43 points, and 40 of those points were on two-point jumpers, okay? Two, uh, 20 field goals. Only, only two other players in finals games have had that many field goals, and that's Michael Jordan and Shaq. And so when I watched this guy, I was like, okay, I'm a fan. You got me. I'm glad you lost. I'm glad the Heat won that game, but I, I'm with you, Mr. Westbrook. Uh, a polarizing figure at some points, uh, you know, real high energy, but I respect his game. I love watching him play. And, uh, yeah, Westbrook, Westbrook's going to be a great two-way player on my team as well up there next to Kyrie Irving. Yep, and I can't think of another guy that plays harder than Russell Westbrook. That's one thing I've always really admired from him. It doesn't matter who's on his squad, if it was him and KD or after KD left. And like like you just said, man, he averaged the triple-double first time since the big O back in the day. And um, it, it, impressive, dude. I don't know how much longer his body can sustain the type of, of play. You know, it's pretty impressive that as many games as he plays, dude, I mean, he's always on the ground diving. He's all over the place. And it's just as a fan, um, you love to see it because there's, I feel a lot of players that, you know, take nights off or try to kind of balance the tough matchups with the easier games. Um, in my opinion, I don't see Russ Westbrook being one of those guys. He literally just doesn't have a kind of off button. The guy is on all the time and it shows <laughs> yeah. what kind of competitor he is you know it's like roy williams on the last dance talking about michael jordan yeah. you know he mm-hmm. he could just turn it on or turn it off and he never freaking he, turned it off he wouldn't, yeah. yeah he's like he's the only guy that could do it and he just decided not to so yeah yeah, yeah. crazy crazy so uh key guy right, that that is a uh, point guard shooting guard let's go with uh small forward and power forward This concludes part one of our 2010s nostalgia basketball segment or episode, I should say, with our guest, Keegan Stewart. We appreciate Keegan joining us. And of course, we are going to be doing part two. It's going to come out next week where we finish the rest of our lineup, starting with small forward. I'm sure Keegan's pumped up to talk about his favorite small forward of the decade. And then from there, once we finish our lineups, we'll make sure you guys get a clear view of who each of us pick, Keegan, Chris, and myself. And we also have to finish with the champion of champions, who we believe was the best overall team and who would have won the decade had they matched up against each other. So that will be next week on part two. Also, you can find myself on Twitter at JGut1010. Chris, where can the listeners interact with you? I know, which is super awesome, you are interacting with some pretty famous people on there actually so where can people you know kind of go back and forth with you on twitter or is it that famous people are interacting with me oh, i don't know and, and, and well, I'd, rather, I'd rather phrase it that way actually they want to talk to my boy chris mo that's who they want to talk to yeah yeah i was just kidding uh chris mo 2413 <laughs> is where you can find me on twitter and i think that about does it for this episode remember we're gonna do another cocktail mixer next episode should I, we should we tell them? Should we yeah, tell them what the what the genre is? I I was you you beat me to it. I think we should. We usually don't. We like to keep it guessing. But 
since you guys heard our Will Ferrell draft today, uh, we first of all ask that you, uh, you know, decide on the poll for one team or the other. We're going to have it on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, just to kind of keep track of what you guys think of the lineups. Once again, these are our favorites, but we also want to know if you thought we missed, you know, one here or there. We understand Elf, I would say, is probably one of those that um, people may be mad after yep, they heard yep. our draft. We totally understand. And for next Blades week, of Glory. <laughs> Blades of Glory. But to keep it within the, the same realm, we're going to do movies again. And we're going to do Adam Sandler movies. Adam Sandler has tons of great movies. One of the, you know, most famous actors, I would say. Maybe it's not your cup of tea, but he does have a lot of classics. So that is going to be coming out one week from today on part two. We also would appreciate your feedback on that. So with that, for part one of episode number 40, 2010 Basketball Nostalgia, this is Heido and Chris saying peace out. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of A Small Scoop of Sports Podcast. Remember, you can find the show on Instagram at Small Scoop Sport Podcast and on Twitter and Facebook at Small Scoop Sport. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next time. We out.